Hi there, and welcome to episode 93 of the Speak Your Peace podcast. My name is Ian McNaughton. On this episode, we chat with Josh Bell, who is the Director of Content in Eastern Canada slash Crossover Scout for FC Hockey. We talk about last week's NHL draft, including top 10 picks, which teams crush their picks, and which players in rounds five, six, and seven you should keep an eye out on. Thanks again to Josh for taking the time to come on the pod. We'll have one again soon. Now, enjoy the show. All right, we are now joined by Josh Bell. Uh, you can catch all of this great work for FC Hockey. You're doing work with the sporting news. Uh, and, and is there anything else that I'm missing, Josh, that you're working on right now? I also cover the OHL draft for uh, Puck mm. Preps, but it's definitely been busy with uh, FC Hockey and uh, sporting news lately. And I'm sure you're a little disappointed there was no OHL season as well this past year. It made it a little bit tougher to cover prospects. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's not much you can do about that. Kind of just adapt, adjust, and hopefully there'll be some hockey in Ontario next year. Hopefully. Uh, I, I got to ask first, just speaking about you, I'm going to start selfishly talking about you right at the beginning, but what were some of the greatest challenges that you faced scouting, covering prospects this past season? Yeah, um, you know, this season is, is kind of interesting. It was my f- first full season with FC Hockey, and um Honestly, it, it went pretty well. Just uh, I was on the video team mainly getting crossover views. So um, it was it was kind of handy because I was in the same boat that everybody was sticking to video. Um, so, yeah, I guess just challenges. I In a normal year, I would have been in the rinks here in Ottawa uh, watching the 67s or across the border. I'm right next to Gatineau, so I could have seen the QMJHL as well. Um, so that would have been nice to get some live views. But, yeah, it, considering... I spent my year on video. It, it went pretty well sitting right where I'm sitting now watching tape all year. Another thing I, I, I'm curious to know, is there something different that you did this year, like covering prospects or scouting wise that you maybe added or switched with your routine that you are maybe going to keep in the future? Like, cause COVID has obviously changed a lot of our lives and how we communicate with people, how we do work, how we do business. Is there something that you've noticed over the past say 12 months covering covering prospects is it something that you think you're going to add in the future because of covid um well this year like i said it was my first with fc hockey first full year and um i really kind of i find i change everything almost on a month-to-month basis uh um, i pick up a new tip i read something new that i want to try in my my scouting um and my um my scouting kind of Google sheet that I keep changes month to month for sure. Uh, I change how it's set up, what I'm tracking, uh, what I'm looking for from other sites to kind of compile into my rankings. Um, I actually just built my uh, 2022 kind of watch list, mm-hmm. um, which is completely different from how my 2021 watch list looks. So uh, just constant tweaking and, and kind of reevaluating how I want to keep organized. Cause I think that's, that's the biggest thing is just trying to stay on top of, so many different prospects, especially as a crossover guy, you're trying to see all the different regions as many as you can. So um, yeah, just staying organized and kind of already getting certain dates circled on the calendar of what I want to watch. 
I know what you mean. Yeah, now because we we've like the NHL schedule has come out and the WHL schedule for myself here in Vancouver has come out. So it's like, okay, on my Google Calendar, I'm gonna be busy this day, this day, this day. Yeah. I might not be able to make this. Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> I, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, let's talk about prospects because that's why you're here. Is talking about hockey prospects. Uh, your thoughts on this year's draft class in in general compared to the past year, two years classes? What did you think about this class compared to the previous couple of years? Yeah, so you all you all we've heard about it all year about how this was a, a weaker class, um, and it it does lack that top tier that we normally see your Alexi Lafreniere's, your uh, your Jack Hughes and Capocacos, but I think below that tier there's actually some really skilled players in this class and it could be an underrated class. Um, There's a lot of players that I like, and I think there's a lot of players that were taken deep in the draft that I I really like. And um, obviously scouts are wrong all the time, but I I hope they pan out and uh, we could see a lot of guys make it. Um, Obviously it'll be years until we know how this draft actually went, but yeah, I've, I've got some high hopes for some of the guys in there. Uh, maybe not top line guys, but just regular NHL players. I think there, there could be quite a few more than, um, more than expected. Maybe I'll, I'll be honest. I, I've done very little to no scouting or research for this draft <laughs> just because there's been so much going on. And, you know, like, like people have been saying, it's been a bit of a weaker class and it's just that much harder to scout and cover prospects this year. Yeah. But what I what I've heard quite a bit is that this isn't a draft with A or A plus prospects. It's a lot of like B plus, B maybe B minus prospects down the road, who yep. again are maybe middle six guys or maybe a couple top six guys or maybe top four D guys. Is that that's sort of what we're looking at here with this 2021 draft class? You think? Yeah, I think so. I think you got your your power, your veneers, and the two goalies. I think and Kosa and um, Wallstedt. I think they could be the top tier of this class. Um, but other than that, yeah, you're probably looking at a bunch of bottom nine forwards, bottom, uh, four defenders, not, not too much in the hopes of star potential. Um, yeah, with the next two drafts coming up, we'll, we'll definitely see a lot of star potential though. So Uh, it'll make up for it. I was going to say, I'm so excited for these next two drafts. It's going to be great. Uh, I got to ask, so in your pre-draft top 50 list, you actually had Owen power ranked fifth in in Mm -hmm. your rankings behind guys like Luke Hughes and, and Wallstat. Why was power ranked fifth for you and ranking behind guys like Hugh and Walls, Hughes and Wallstat? Yeah, um, I didn't put out a final, or actually I didn't put out a ranking after that. Um, but if I did, power still probably would have been in that four or five spot. And I still would have had Hughes and Wallstat, Veneers, um, and I think Eklund above yes. it. Um, but yeah, for power, I just think, while he's one of the more NHL ready players um, and it, it could be, I could even see him getting a few games this coming season. Um, I don't think his ceiling is as high as those other guys. I think so when you're scouting, you're trying to picture guys five, 10 years down the line and uh, what their peak might be. And I think Luke Hughes, especially, I think he's probably the defender that has the highest ceiling um, and especially just cause he's so young. Uh, and he's got so much skill, so much, uh, he's so mobile. He's so good with the puck. Um, and if he can really fine tune his game, I think he's, he should have been the first overall. He was my ranked number one ever since that preliminary ranking came out uh, last summer. So it's not necessarily like a shot against power by any means. No, it's no. more just like these, like Luke Hughes is really good. Wall stats, really good. Eklund, like that, that's more, I guess yeah. what it is for you then. Yeah. And this is a draft where like any of those 
nine top nine guys could have gone first overall and nobody would have been that surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, power, he's just, especially he did approve a lot over the year. Um, and especially capping it off with the, the world championship, the men's men's worlds, he looked very good. And even through that tournament, he was given more and more ice time. So he gained the coach's trust. So I think he's going to be a solid, uh, two, three D and that's probably Hughes's ceiling as well as that two D, but I just think there's more offensive potential there maybe. Um, and I think he'll be the better of the two. You, you touched on this a little bit just a second ago, but do you see power coming into the NHL right away? Or do you think it's better for him to maybe have another year in Michigan or, and maybe at the end of the season, you know, have a couple of games, have a cup of coffee at the end of the year, maybe when, you know, injuries or just whatever happens with the Sabres or is is it just beneficial for him to wait another year in in college hockey? I'd say to wait another year. Uh, The the Sabres are not going to be a good team next year, uh, especially if this Jack Eichel trade ever happens. Um, And so I think let him stay in the NCAA next season, maybe even the year after. Uh, But I could see him getting a few games at the end of the year just to, start to get him accustomed to the speed because it'll be a big change from the NCAA to the NHL. So um, yeah, this season for sure, I, I would like to see him stick to the NCAA. Speaking of Michigan teammates, Matty Beniers goes second to Seattle. What kind of player are the Kraken getting by taking Beniers second overall? Yeah. So you've got to believe that they think he's got top line potential. Um, I'm not sure if I see it the same. I think he's more of a, a second liner, but um, unless they end up making that big push for Eichel. Um, Beniers is probably the best two-way player in the class. Uh, and it's, he's just so competitive. He never takes his foot off the gas. You watched him at the all season long, um, even last year and international tournaments. He's just always go, go, go very high motor. Um, he's fearless, always jumping into puck battles and digging out the puck and getting it to his teammates. And while there's always, um, for two-way players, we kind of think, okay, maybe their offensive ceiling isn't that high. He kind of proved that wrong, um, putting up some pretty solid points, uh, getting involved at the World Juniors even. So he's um, he's going to be an interesting one because I think I think he's he's a two C, but if he can hit that one C, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. And obviously, the Kraken think he can do it. I, I was going to say Beniers. I saw him for half a dozen game as a world junior. And I'm just like, yeah, this guy should be going first overall. <laughs> like this guy's good. I, I like him. That that's about how much research and, you know, studying I've done for this. Yeah. So totally prepared. Um, my buddy, he's co-host of this Scott Conkin, big ducks fan. They took Mason McTavish third overall, and he seems to be pretty stoked about this, the pick. Should he be stoked about the Ducks taking McTavish? And if so, why should he be stoked? Um, yes and no. I think McTavish is a great player. I think he's within those those top nine skaters. Um, I think it's a little bit high for me, but I get why they did it. So they, again, this is kind of the same situation. He's probably a, a middle six, uh, probably a top six centerman, um, most likely on that second line, especially because of his size. I think he could definitely get there. Um in that third overall spot, you have to think that they're, they're hoping he's a one C um, they do have Zegers though. So maybe they, they hope he fits in behind there. And if that's the plan and that that's excellent. Um, but with William Eklund on the board, I just think he would have been the forward I would take. Um, and maybe even over Beniers as well. Uh, Eklund 
stepped into the SHL this season and just stood out. He became a top six player. He fit in wonderfully with Alexander Holtz and that team. Um, and he produced very well for a draft, a first year draft eligible. Um, so I, I think Eklund is going to end up being the better player, but I can see why the Ducks would lean towards the, the big McTavish who plays with some grit and also has that offense. Um, so yeah, I don't love the pick, but I can see why they went that way. So I got asked, then, is Eklund the biggest steal, do you think, in the first round? Or at least the top 10, any, at least the top 10 probably, but. Yeah, in the top 10, I think, because then we get the to Jesper Wallstead at yeah. 20. And yeah, but uh, but yeah, in the top 10, I think Eklund. So are, are you more surprised than that Anaheim took with Tavish, Columbus took maybe Kent Johnson? That was, a, I think, a surprising pick for some, or that San Jose got Eklund. Like, what do, you, what do you think is the most surprising move out of those three? Out of those three, I think. It's interesting because I can understand all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I know why they went that way. I think McTavish at three. I, I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, I thought he would go kind of the five to ten, five to nine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I again, I can see why they did it. I can see why Eklund fought, fell because he's a little bit smaller than some of these other guys. Um, Johnson, I think, was always in that conversation to go as high as five. So I'm not too too surprised there. And I love what Columbus did in the draft and he kind of capped that for them with the skill. So um, they all kind of make sense to me, but yeah, the McTavish one was, was the first one where I kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit. So did the blue, did the blue jackets get all A's for you in this first round? Because they, they took Kent Johnson. Uh, they had Cole Sillinger 12th and they had. Corson uh, uh, Kuhlman. Corson Kuhlman. How could I forget that name? That's a, that's a great name. Actually. <laughs> I, I actually, when I saw that on Friday, I'm like, that's a good hockey name. But yeah. age all around for you for the Blue Jackets in the first round? Yeah, I think um, in the first round and their entire draft, I think mm-hmm. they they had one of the best classes of this draft. I did the article on FC Hockey where I graded every team, and they were they were among the top. I think they were tied at the top with Dallas. So I absolutely love what they did. I think heading into drafts, you see what kind of works over years. And in the first half, they bet high on skill, high skill players. In the second half, they go for those high motor players. And it's usually those guys in the back half with the high motor that end up surprising and they fill out your bottom six and those high skill guys fill out your top six. So I think what they did is perfect kind of by the book. I was a little surprised after they, they shocked everybody last year in the draft. I thought they maybe had a, a trick up their sleeve again, but no, really have, especially that first round. That's just uh bunch of steals honestly it's a it's a great a great draft for them it just makes you feel good inside when you see a team do that right it's yeah. a really positive like ah somebody actually knows what they're doing right yeah um i'm a red wings fan i'm pretty open about it they took <laughs> simon edmondson six overall what does he bring to the table and what's his eta for getting to the red wings yeah i think edmondson's interesting and i've, I've thought this all year i think he's a similar mold to power um, he's just quite a bit more raw. Um, so he's got the size, he's got the mobility. Um, he's a little bit more offensive than defensive, but he, he's okay at both. Um, but Edvinston just has to clean up a lot of his game. There's a lot of holes right now. There's a lot of inconsistencies. So I think that was one that was a little bit surprising too. I thought he'd fall a little bit more. And, um, I thought the Red Wings, if they were going to take a defender and, is between Edmondson and Clark. I thought they'd go with Clark, but 
Edmondson has, he's another guy that um, I know some NHL scouts think he has got a very high ceiling and could be the best defender in this class. I think he's just got a longer road to get there. So he's a little bit more of a risky pick. Um, and as for the ETA, I think, I think you might end up waiting a little bit for him uh, at least two more years over in Sweden, I think, just because he, he does have quite a bit to, to refine in his game and uh, just to get to uh, NHL ready, it might take some time for him. I was going to say, I know Steve Eisman and everybody who likes the Red Wings is, you know, preaching patience and the eyes are plan and all this sort of stuff. Um, after Edmondson, you get a trio of really fascinating picks with Eklund, Brant Clark, Dylan Gunther. Um, we, we talked about Eklund a little bit. What do you, what do you think about Brant, Brant Clark going to the Kings? He's going to be an LA player down the road here. Do you, do you think that's a great move for LA? Do you like him at eight? What, what are your feelings on Brant Clark as a player? Yeah, I, uh, I think if he wasn't, he's a knock kneed skater. So he kind of bows in at the knees. Uh, I think if that wasn't the case, he probably would have been the first pick because he's arguably the smartest player in this class. Him and William Eklund, I think are right there for that for that intelligence. Um, and this is just, it's kind of a steal in the top 10, honestly, for the Kings who I think teams are just handing wonderful prospects to lately. Like their, their prospect pool is just terrifying. If you imagine that in, in five years, even just three years, it's, it's a scary, scary system they have. And Clark could be a key uh, facet in that he could be their next Doughty. They've already got their next Kopitar and either Byfield or Turcotte. And it's just, they're recreating their team and, yeah, I wouldn't want to play against them in a few years. It, it's it's great, but also scary if you're like it's fun. It's fun to see a team build up a prospect pool like the Kings have because that takes a lot of effort and time. But as yeah. an opposing team, it's just like, okay, wow, the Kings are looking really good. Um, yeah. Dylan Gunther, are you surprised that he went ninth to Arizona? Arizona traded back into the first round to take him. Are you surprised he dropped all the way down to nine? Not really. Uh, for me, he's always kind of been in the, at the bottom of that tier. Um, him and Johnson were kind of my eight and nine, I think. So it's, it's not that surprising for me. I thought with his size and the, his style of play, he might get picked like kind of like McTavish did. Um, but I think the U18s might have hurt him because uh, he didn't play at the level he can, at the level he showed in WHL. And I think teams maybe paused with that seeing a little bit of an inconsistency and McTavish stepped up as a leader. So I'm not, I'm not too surprised. No. And uh, I think it's a great pick for the coyotes who kind of went around the NHL punishing them. So uh, yeah, it's a good pick. So at 10, Tyler Boucher goes to the senators. Um, how big of a surprise was it for you that Tyler Boucher went 10th because I, I, I saw, I think I saw something on Twitter where somebody said like sense need to get shoulder surgery because of how badly they reached this entire draft. Um, what, how big of a surprise was it for you that Boucher went 10th and do you think he could live up to being a top 10 player? <laughs> um, I think senators fans are going to start coming after me soon. Cause I've <laughs> written so much about this. Um, yeah, a huge reach. Uh, I think the biggest reach, definitely the biggest reach in the first round, um, maybe even in the draft. For me, for us at FC Hockey, he was a third rounder. We had him at, I think, 94. Uh, so I I get what they're doing. 
so they've they've come out and said they're they know the style they want to build they want this gritty team that's hard to play against i don't think he's going to live up to a 10th overall selection because 10th overall you want a guy that puts up points you want the high skill guys you want the the guys like sillinger or lucius who are still on the board at 10 who i thought they would take one of them um but yeah boucher He's a hard hitter. He's fearless. He'll jump into the corners. He'll jump into the front of the net. He has no problem creating space in front of the net. So he could be an interesting power forward. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a little bit rich for my blood. And I, um, it's hard because the Sens have a track record now in recent years where they kind of go a little bit off the board and then you kind of come around to him like a guy like Shane Pinto in 2019. He's become one of their top prospects and it's kind of hard to see him not as an NHL player now, but at the time Senators fans hated the pick, even Brady Kachuk people hated that pick at the time. And I think they're okay with it now. Um, Boucher, I think fits that role of Kachuk, maybe not at that skill level. Although I don't think he's at that skill level. Um, yeah. I just think their whole draft class, they left skill on the table. And it's like I said earlier with Columbus, I think, the first half of the draft, you want to go for that skill. And I, I think they, they missed out on that. So it's pretty much like two opposite ends of the pendulum where you have like the blue jackets who killed it, did a really great job A's all around. And then you have the senators who didn't quite do any of that and did the complete opposite of what Columbus did essentially. Yeah. Looking at the grades I gave them when their whole draft class, I gave Columbus an A and I gave the senators a D minus. Mm. Um, but I did I did point out, I have to point out, it's all obviously subjective. And obviously the senators know more than we do um, in the public sphere. They they get to talk to the players. They get to talk to the coaches, the family. So they I'm sure they love him and what he brings. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it pans out for them. So speaking of surprises too, the Red Wings took Sebastian Casa 15th. Uh, he was the first goalie taken off the board instead of Wallstadt. Was that much of a surprise to you? Were you surprised to see that? And do you think that Casa is going to be a starter in Detroit anytime soon? Uh, I was surprised because I had, I have Wallstead, I think at three mm-hmm. on my personal board. I've loved him all season. And what he did is pretty remarkable playing in the, in the SHL in his draft year. Uh, but then Sebastian Casa was dominant in the WHL for the last two seasons in his first two years there. Um, I don't think I would have traded up and selected Casa. I would have probably gone for Wallstead, even at 15. I think that's a steal. Um, but I do think he'll end up being an NHL starter. I think the two of them are, are on that track. Um, but it'll be an interesting comparison down the line when they're, they're both there and who's the better goalie. Um, and it's interesting that both teams ended up trading up with the wild trading up for Wallstead. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I was a little surprised. I thought Wallstead would go, and I especially thought if Detroit was going to take a goalie, it would have been Wallstead as they love their Swedes. But, well, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It, it just looked so obvious at the time, right? They traded yeah. up. Wallstead's there, Swedish player, goalie, perfect. Here you go. And instead they went with Casa at 15. Yeah. Another guy who a lot of people say dropped, he went farther down than he should have, was uh, Fabian Lysel, who went to the Bruins 21 why do you think he dropped as far as he did? And, and is it like a skill thing? Is it a size thing? Why was Ly- Lysel not taken higher in the draft at 21? 
It's definitely not skill. Um, he's one of the most skilled guys in the class. I think him and John, he's not that far behind Johnson in, in terms of skill, uh, maybe size a little bit, but I know there were, now I don't have proof of this. Uh, I know there were rumors that there's some coachability issues off the ice um, and just a little bit of arrogance to him. So it could have been that. And if that's the case, I'm a little surprised the Bruins took him because they, well, actually maybe not, I guess they got Brad Marchand and he kind of fit that role too. So um, I guess they've got a, a track record of turning those guys around. So I'm a, I, it was kind of long rumored that he would, he would slip. So it mm. wasn't too, too much of a surprise. Um, honestly, I thought he'd slip a little bit more. So I think it's a good pickup for the Bruins and it's a little different from what they normally do. So, uh, it's, I, I liked it for them. I like that pick. Another guy who was talking about having, you know, coachability issues is exactly the rue with Nashville at, at 27, who it just seemed like on the broadcast, they were talking about guy, you know, guy who would do crazy things. He's all over the place. He's all over the map as a player. Do you think he's as far out there coaching what, you know, coachability wise, as people say, or, or do you think this guy, you know, can fix his attitude problems and become a regular for the Nashville Predators here down the line. Yeah, I think he can become a regular. Like you look at a guy like Barshawn and he he turned it around, right? Even yeah. though he started his career as kind of a pest and off and on he can be still, he he's really turned around and be as, and become a skilled player. Uh LaRue has that skill. He's I think at the beginning of the year he was one of, if not, or he was I think he was my top player from the queue okay. and on the edge of top 10. And I think he's got that skill. I think if you take out his, his discipline issues, especially, um, and his kind of inconsistency, he can kind of take his foot off the gas sometimes. And he just wants to produce offense, I think. Um, and he was suspended four times this season. So if he gets that under control, then yeah, I think, I think he becomes an NHL player and a player that uh, Predators fans would absolutely love. One, one more player, this is just a personal thing. One more player I have to ask you about is Olin Zellweger, Everett Silvertip. He went second round to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I, I've seen Zellweger in person a, a number of times, so I kind of have an idea what Anaheim's getting at. But what do you think about Zellweger, and do you like him as a second-round pick going to Anaheim? Yeah, I think he should have been taken in the first. So I, I really like that pick. Um, I think he is... I think if he had a full WHL season, he would have been a lock for not only the first round, but maybe even like the top 20. Um, he's just, he's that good. We saw it at the U18s when he took over Brant Clark's role as the top power play guy. And we've all been talking about Brant Clark all year about how he's one of the most offensive defenders in this class and Zellweger overtook that. So I think there's a special player there. I'm, I'm, surprised he slipped to the second round um I, I think he could be one of the bigger steals in that that top of the second round i want to ask you about some teams and we talked about columbus and ottawa but what who's a team who maybe had a bit of a you know under the radar people weren't paying attention to them a whole lot type of draft class who you think in a few years can be a really you know really solid class that we look back on and say wow can't believe these guys drafted as well as they did. Who, who's that team that we should be looking out for? Okay. Under the radar. That's interesting. Um, once he, I gave them a B plus the Winnipeg jets. Um, so they started off with Chaz Lucius at 18, which is a steal on its own. Uh, I think he's one of the best 
goal scorers in this class. And it's not necessarily that he has the best shot. It's just his ability to get to the scoring areas. Um, and I think, again, he's another player that if he wasn't injured this year, because he had two injuries that took him out the first half of the season and then the U18s, I, th- I think he would have been top 10. I can't see him not being a top 10 pick. Um, so getting him at 18 is great value. And then they follow that up with Nikita Chibrikov at 50, who's another guy I had in the first round as top 25 pick, um, who has skill, but he's a little bit more of a gritty guy who can can rub shoulders with almost anyone. And he, he's going to be a leader on the Jets at some point, I think. And then they took a swing on um, Belarusian defender, uh, Dmitry Kuzmin, who he's he's one of the guys that pulled off the Michigan at the U18s mm. for uh, Belarus. And he's just a ton of fun to watch. And I'm, I'm a big fan of just betting on skill. And I think he's he's just pure skill almost. So it's that was going to be fun to watch. Um, and another one you actually mentioned them, uh, Nashville. I think, especially if LaRue pans out, I think that they, they could be a really, really good draft. Um, they got Svechkov, who's right there with Beniers, is one of the best two-way forwards in the class. Uh, we talked about LaRue already. And then Anton Olsen, Ryan Ufko, Jack Mattier. I think those are kind of um, typical Predators picks. And we've seen how they can churn out um, top four defenders. And I think all four of those guys, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised to see them all become NHLers. Um, they, they definitely have that upside. Even their, their final pick, um, Simon Knack, the overager. He's, um, I really liked what he did this year in the WHL and at the, um, uh, I guess the world juniors. Um, so yeah, I, I think their, their class is a little under the radar as well. And, and, and who's a team who, again, these are all players who, you know, this is all random, it could all work out for everybody, but who's a team that you, you know, we talk about Ottawa, of course, but who's a team that's like, yeah, not quite sure about taking that player there or that class is looking a little sketchy. What, what's a, a team's draft class that you were a little bit disappointed in? Um, I think I didn't love what Edmonton did. Um, I do like Borgo. He was their first pick. Um, and I think Mave Petrov is a good value pick down. Uh, they got him way down at 180. Um, I'm not sure he becomes an NHLer, but he's uh, he loves to shoot the puck. So that'll be interesting. But other than that, I I don't see much. Um, I think they, they bit on, um, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce his last name, but Luca uh, Munzenberger from Germany, who that was a little bit of a shock. He, um, I remember at the World Juniors, he played for Germany and he led the tournament in giveaways. So um, giveaways and mistakes that led to goals. So, I mean, Germany was obviously kind of up against some, some top talent, but uh, not, not what you want to see. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I think Edmonton had a lot of reaches and then um, I'll give another one here. The Penguins who just absolutely hate first her first round draft picks. Um, other than Tristan Braz, who was their first pick. I, I don't think they have an NHL or here. I know they bit, bit on defender Isaac Bellavo, who I've kind of hated all season long. Um, he just had a lot of hype, and I don't think he's worth it. <laughs> and, and finally, I'll end on this. A player, I'm, I'm going to go deep. Round, anybody from round five, six, or seven, who you, five, six, or seven, who yep. you think, look out, this guy is, you know, he's on the track for being great. He could be a really good NHL player 
in a few years here? Who's a guy in, in the later rounds that you are really high on? Okay. Um, it could be a couple guys too. I, I don't mean to limit you to just one guy, but if you got a couple guys off the top of your head in like five, six or seven that you're really high on. Okay. Let me just check here. Pull it up. Uh, five, six or seven. Um, just Manix well- Landry. So Arizona got him in the fifth round. Um, he's a guy I was kind of pushing for, for our top 100. Uh, we just missed it. He was at one Oh three for FC. Um, but he's a guy, he's the captain of Gatineau in the QM, QMJHL and never takes his foot off the gas. Uh, hard, hard player can get into the, the corners. No problem. And, uh, he's just a battler. So I can see him being an NHLer. Um, he's probably like a bottom six guy, but I can see him kind of putting it together and getting it, getting there. Um, in the sixth round, I think Liam Gilmartin will be one to watch. He's another guy who's he's a gritty player, um, but I think he's a guy that fits that bottom six role of um, physical but can produce. Um, he did well with the the national team this season, the U.S. national team this season. And, um, yeah, I know there's quite a few people that are, are pretty high on him, so he'll he'll be one to watch. Awesome. Well, thank you, Josh. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'll just give you a few seconds. If you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to promote uh, before we head out here, feel free to do so now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's all your time here for a few minutes, few seconds. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Just keep an eye on uh, NHLentrydraft.com, FC hockey's website. Uh, tons of content. We're, we're right now planning for the 2022 NHL draft, uh, our watch lists, our tournaments getting set for the Halinka starting up uh, this weekend, actually. Um, so yeah, no break this year as we go straight into the next draft, but there'll be tons of content, tons of, uh, tweets. You can follow me at, um, at Joshua bell 31, um, and try to get some more clips up than I did last year, which will be a feat because I sent a, a lot of clips out last year. So, uh, if you like, if you like clips of players that could be your team's prospects, then shoot me a follow. Um, yeah, should be an exciting year as we gear up for, um, a really exciting draft class. I was going to say the draft back in Montreal, I think next year. So yeah. maybe uh, you're going to try and go to that in person. Yeah. It was uh, only a couple hour drive. So I would be there for sure. As long as it happens. Yes. Yeah, so as long as it's in person and everybody's there. And <laughs> yeah. now, now, you know, teams can either make great picks or make bad picks in person instead of doing it over zoom, maybe next year. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Josh, thank you for all the time. I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, We'll, we'll be back in. I'm sure we'll have you on again, talk about more <laughs> prospects at some point, but uh, anytime. Thank you very much, man. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you.